The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Very warm welcome everybody. You're watching Sportbox. The headlines this hour, a bumpy ride for Lyft. Shares plunge, wiping out a quarter of the company's value in extended trade after lackluster guidance and a warning the Uber rival will need to keep spending to keep drivers. The Fed looks set for a 50 basis point hike amid spiraling inflation and a tight labor market. This is billionaire investor Paul Tudor Jones warns it will be a difficult balancing act. This is one of the most challenging periods ahead for the Federal Reserve Board in its history. We've just never seen anything like this since the 70s, so it's, it's really uncharted waters. Natural gas prices surging ahead of an expected sixth round of EU sanctions against Russia today, including a potential oil embargo. And would-be Twitter owner Elon Musk says some commercial and government entities may need to pay a fee to use the application. Uh, as the Tesla owner eyes more changes for the social media giant that I'm pretty sure he described as the town hill of free speech. that wonderful chat we had with our excellent producer Mohammed before the show where he yes, laid out a beautiful template for yes, the next 30 minutes yes I should apologize to Mohammed because straight away I've had some great ideas go on then okay well let's show Lyft oh. because this okay. for me typifies he's happy because we're back on track kind of uh, Lyft down 26% look at that to 2283 as well shared more than a quarter of the value of its shares in after hours trade this after the ride hailing group posted light guidance and said it would need to continue wait for it incentivizing drivers or increasing those incentives uh, Lyft beat earnings apparently uh, expectations on both the b top and bottom lines with a revenue of 876 million dollars but the number of active riders Disappointed. The group forecasts second quarter revenue of between 950 million and a billion dollars, just shy of analyst estimates. I'm going to stay on this for a moment because for me, this is typical of the ludicrous valuations and the ludicrous business models that have sucked in a whole host of geniuses on Wall Street and the Square Mile and elsewhere around the globe without looking at the business models, without caring about the route to profitability. So do you know what I've just done? I've just done a little bit of work on Lyft as well and looked at their profits over the last five years. Sorry, did I say profits? Silly old sausage I am as well. I looked at the massive losses in 2016, the massive losses in 2017, the elevated losses getting worse and worse as we go through into this century, this decade in 2018, the huge billion dollar losses in 2019, 2020 uh, and 2021 as well. And now, now that interest rates are rising, now that staff, and wait till we get to the jolts later, I'm gonna be on this one, there are more job openings in the United States, well, more than when do you think? You're right, more than ever. There are 11.5 million job openings in the US and Lyft's business model, well, they're gonna incentivize more drivers. Well, good luck with that one because they lost money in the good times. Oh, sorry, in the rollout of the expansion of the business model. And now I just can't see how a lot of these companies are gonna find their route to profitability. The cumulative losses at Lyft are enormous. 
Our colleague stateside will be speaking to the Lyft co-founder and president John Zimmer. That is an interview coming up at 14.40 CET. And such was the sell-off in Lyft that their, their shares, it spilled over to the main rival, Uber, which also fell 4% plus after hours. Later in the evening, uh, Uber then unexpectedly, well, I guess they were spooked by what they saw at Lyft. They announced they're going to bring forward their earnings report to before the start of uh, US trade later today, saying it wants to provide a more timely update on its performance before the market. Uh, I, it says chat lift there as well. I mean, yeah. bl bless them, they're trying to adapt to my movement as well. But you've yeah. got a view? Well, I could, I, let me just take the other side for a moment here because inevitably um, I, I find myself agreeing with you in, in so many of these situations. Do you think we've let, become let's just an echo, put the other, echo? The other side of the argument here. Okay, so it's like the movie Highlander, right? We all remember that. There can oh, be only one. Probably the best and soundtrack the on a movie issue, ever. Uh, as far as I think uh, some of these uh, businesses concerned, is that they hoped that they would ultimately end up with dominant market share. So they came into the, uh, the corporate world as so-called disruptors, right? This was a way that you add tech to an existing business, i.e. The, the simple plain vanilla idea that you call a, a taxi cab or you hail a taxi cab or you get a rider to deliver a pizza or something to you. The idea was that you add tech to the front end and you simplify, streamline and make the business more cost efficient by putting in this technology and people can book online and so on and so forth. And then you throw a lot of money at this, this concept and you hope that by force of size and scale you ultimately end up dominating the market even though you are offering incredibly cheap rates to do that to try and undercut your competitors and then hopefully you get some kind of oligopolistic or monopolistic position where you gradually increase prices and you get market dominance and you make money. The problem you've got in an environment at a macro level where money is incredibly cheap, there are a lot of people with the same idea who think they can also do that as well. So you're right, we've had terrible times for um, uh, these businesses in terms of and their investors. profitability, but we've had terrific times as customers because we've had wow. heavily so discounted rides, heavily discounted pizza delivery. The question from here on in is, as you point out, as the cost of money rises for all these technology businesses that thought they'd reinvented the wheel, can they survive as consumers become much more uh, reluctant to spend money on these kind of discretionary items. Two, two very brief points, because okay. I know we want to move on. I want to, yeah. I want to unbreak Mohammed's heart today. Uh, first point as well, inverse economies of scale. I don't even know if there is an economic theory on that, but I think there are inverse economies of scale on this one. I think yeah. the bigger they get, the harder they find it to find the drivers, the couriers, the riders, the pizza delivery people. I've always thought that, uh, and especially in an economy that's booming as well uh, with, let's face it, better working conditions for a lot of these employees. And I heard about the gig economy and how a lot of people like to have the informal nature of this as well. Well, even in the gig economy now, uh, certain people are getting better salaries, and I approve of that. I really do. Uh, the second point is, and you raised it beforehand, actually, in the show, and I totally agree with you, so the echo continues. I think, in fact, I'm now making it my words, I think the only thing that can save a lot of these companies is more technology and less drivers, i.e., as soon as the drivers disappear and yeah. they become automated, then their profitability might change. Uh, yes, and more consolidation, because... Oligopolies or monopolies always do better, I think, than a multiplicity of companies that are competing on the same terms. So I, I suspect that the sector will just shrink a little bit as times get more tough 
as these businesses find ways to consolidate to try and dominate and gain market share. Anyway, Airbnb, let's, let's move on. As you say, we don't want to break Mohammed's heart. It wasn't all disaster in the concept stock arena. Airbnb says it expects to see significant pent-up global demand in summer bookings as COVID restrictions around the world ease. The company posting a first quarter earnings beat and says it expects revenue to surge more than 50% in the coming quarter from $1.5 billion to over $2 billion. Airbnb says it's also seeing a rise in the number of long-term bookings as more people take up hybrid working. The shares are up almost 6% in extended trade. Did you see see they're now going to let their workers work anywhere in the world? Airbnb? Yeah. Yeah, that was a story I did with uh, our partners, MSNBC, yesterday. Anywhere in the world, there are country rates now. So if you're in a certain country, you get a country rate, uh, and you can work anywhere in the world. Forget about hybrid, it's completely work from home. Yeah, no, that's fascinating, isn't it? I wonder if they'll bring that model to us at some point. Uh, About that. Um, Expedia shares take a uh, 14% hit after several analysts cut their price targets, even as the company posted a smaller-than-expected first-quarter loss. We're going to hear more about the anticipated rebound in summer travel when our U.S. colleagues speak to Expedia CEO Peter Kern. That interview at 1700 CET. And shares in Starbucks received an added shot, rising some 5% in extended trade. This despite the company suspending its guidance for the fiscal year and missing its sales targets due to COVID lockdown measures across China. Are you one of those people? First quarter sales in China plunged 23% on a comparable basis. However, US sales jumped 12% and global sales rose by 7%, with CEO Howard Schultz uh, citing, quote, relentless consumer demand. Am Are you I one, one of, one those of what people? people? What people? Front of the queue. I'd like uh, mountain beans with uh, slightly warmed up mug and uh, and, and soya milk and uh, you know. No. Just, no. no, I'm more likely one of those people who goes. Why do you want to know my name? Why should I tell you my name? Uh, we just want to put it on the coffee, sir. No, you don't. You want my data. <laughs> you want my data. <laughs> You're so suspicious. Yes. Uh, it says earnings season continues in Europe as well. And we have a whole host of uh, C-suite interviews coming up today. Uh, we'll be speaking to a load of CFOs who have given us their names, I can tell you. Siemens Health and Ears and Solvay, as well as uh, Skanska's CEO, that's Anders Danielson, and the Maersk CEO, Soren Shu. I don't know if I'm supposed to be here or back at the desk. Uh, and from from Germany, we can speak to the CEO of Bosch. Actually, that's really interesting. Uh, Stefan Hartung and Netta. It's also going to be speaking to Herbert Dies, the VW CEO. We have so much in this show. Uh, let's focus on the main event then. Fed Chair Jerome Powell is expected to unveil a 50 basis point rate hike later today in a bid to tame inflation not seen since the early 80s. A CNBC Fed survey shows a majority expecting another half a percentage rate hike in June. While respondents think the FOMC will aggressively reduce its balance sheet over the next 18 months, over half in the survey believe the process will end in a recession. The report also shows an expectation that rates will be above 2% by the end of this year, before rising to a terminal rate of just north of 3%. By August of 2023, the billionaire hedge fund manager Paul Tudor-Jones says he can't think of a worse financial environment, telling CNBC, quote, you don't want to own bonds or stocks right now. The founder and chief investment officer of Tudor Investment warned that taming inflation could take some time. The lagged impacts of inflation are just now really starting to manifest themselves. 
So much of what we saw at year end with rising wages, supply chain issues, they're actually just now starting to push through and will continue to push through uh, over the course of the next couple of months. We're not going to see clearly inflation's not accelerating, it's decelerating. But I think it's going to be much harder to tame than we think, and it's going to take much longer, and it's going to be much more challenging for financial markets as a result. Right, you know I've got my addictions and one of them is to the jolts data, so let me just tell you what it was. It blew even my mind out in the last 24 hours. A record number, I might have told you this already, a record number of people quit their jobs in the US across March. They quit. They're worried about the economy, they're worried about interest rates, but a record number of people thought that, yeah, I've just had enough of this. That's the problem for Lyft and others, isn't it? Anyway, they, they record number quit in March. Uh, as part of the great resignation. But job openings, again, huge number, 11.55 million. Again, a record um, figure as well. No wonder a lot of central bankers, especially Janet Yellen previously, I don't know about J-Pound now, but they look at the jolts because it might send a shudder through them about what's going through on in the labour market. And of course, we've got loads of labour market data this week, uh, ADP numbers, and we've got the April non-farm payrolls report on Friday. Dow Jones forecasting an increase of 400,000 jobs. I'll do the markets quickly here, actually. I want to get back on track on the show. Let's have a look at it as well. So we were up across the board. In fact, it was a very calm session. The VIX actually came off quite a bit, just slightly below 30 now, on the back of uh, the markets not having the aggression we've seen of the last few sessions. Again, brilliant news coming out uh, on the corporate front. And when I say brilliant news, I mean just lots of amazing stories as well. I'll show you the US futures and where they're currently trading. Of course, it's Fed Day, as we've been saying. So that uh, rule really dictate it's, it's it's these press conferences, isn't it? 50 basis points baked in. It's what he says thereafter about how hawkish the Federal Reserve has to be, will be uh, going forward there. Treasuries, uh, I think we're just sub 3% on the 10-year. Let's have a look. 2.975. Yeah, we'll call it 3%, give or take. But look at that. A pretty flat yield curve from 5 to 30 there as well. And I will show you the Asian markets. We do have a lot of holidays still on some of the key markets, but we've got the Hang Seng down 1.2%. The Cosby and the Straits times are flat, as indeed is the ASX 200, which are Australian friends having to absorb a rate hike yesterday. Mr. Cutmore. Yeah, we've got another increase in the outlook and the revenue guidance here from uh, Health and Ears. Um, so we're going to talk to the, uh, the boss over at Siemens Health and Ears as the company hikes its guidance yet again. When I say the boss, it'll be the CFO coming up in just a moment. Jochen Schmitz uh, will be with us, so stay tuned. We'll talk some more about how this business is benefiting from the increasing number of antigen tests. And you've heard the news, yeah? The podcast has already been shortlisted for a Pulitzer. Or maybe not, but anyway, it's pretty good. Uh, for the mixed picture on US tech earnings, check out the Squawk Box podcast. Hasn't been nominated for anything just yet, but it is jolly good today. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts.
Welcome back, everybody. Let's take a look at the uh, Siemens Health and Ears uh, numbers then. The company now expecting comparable revenue growth of between 55 and 7.5%. This is the improvement in guidance. Um, this, as the company already moved up guidance to 3 to 5% uh, not so long ago, adjusted basic earnings per share of between uh, €2.25 and €2.35 Euro um, uh, Euro previously, €2.18 to €2.30. Uh, um, the company uh, reporting it has uh, benefited from the increased demand for rapid COVID-19 antigen tests, uh, which is why they're raising their outlook for fiscal year 2022 with an adjusted basic earnings per share up 53% to 67 euro cents. So things seem to be going well over at Siemens Health and Ears. Let's get to Jochen Schmitz, the CFO of the business. Jochen, good to have you with us on the program here and congratulations, an opportunity to lift your guidance yet again. Just tell us where the strength is across the business. Yeah, thank you and good morning also from my side. And the strength is broad-based. Uh, we saw very good growth across the businesses uh, in imaging, in diagnostics, in variant and in, in advanced therapies, so also the base business. In diagnostics, it was already helped by the strongest quarter on antigen test sales, which ended up in a 16% growth on the revenue line and in almost 20% uh, growth on equipment orders, uh, broad-based growth. Uh, and that also led us uh, to raise our outlook, uh, as you already said, yeah, again. Yeah, and now we raised it by two and a half percentage points. Um, and uh, we also saw accordingly a raise on, on the EPS side, not to the full extent of the top line due to the fact that we are also facing some headwinds on the cost side from the, the well-known supply chain issue. Yeah, let's um, just dig into that for a little bit here, because can you can you give us some um, interpretation as to whether these supply chain challenges and the costs are going up, going down, whether they'll be here for somewhat longer than you anticipated? Characterize for us the challenge on this particular issue. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, first of all, I would say we are managing the situation very well. You know, we have almost no impact on the top line due to supply chain issues, uh, only very, very minor things. Uh, on the cost side, we are facing obviously the same pressures as, as the whole industry. Uh, it comes from higher spot pricing of rare material and, and parts on the one hand, and obviously on a very, very tight logistic regime across the globe. Um, very difficult to say how long will that last. Yeah? Normally, shortages are cyclical, so I would say they are transition in nature, and uh, this holds true for both aspects, parts, materials, as well as logistics. Time-wise, very difficult to predict because of all the ongoing geopolitical and, and global challenges. Yeah? And, um, and uh, just to, to name another topic, I mean, the situation and the way China deals with the pandemic is also not helping in this regard. Uh, Jochen, just on that then, what's China doing wrong? I'm not saying that uh, China is doing anything wrong. I just say how they do it. Yeah? It's, when they lock down complete regions and parts of their country, including the infrastructure, this uh, puts the burden on your business in the country, in that respective region, into the logistic change. And that is 
something which is very difficult to predict how that how long will that last yeah, and what impact it will be having. But the Chinese went into this way before everyone else, and they still seem to be at the depths of this crisis, way after a lot of Western nations have found a way to live with COVID. Jochen, they're obviously doing something wrong. Yeah, um, you won't hear me saying that China's doing something wrong because I'm not a politician. Yeah, But I would say uh, they do it like they do it, yeah? and uh, they will hopefully also see relatively quickly that... Uh, the current mutations of the virus are not as severe as they were in the, in, in the beginning, yeah, and that you might be in the position to deal with the situation differently. But it's obviously their decision. Yeah. OK, let me just come back to what's going on in Europe as well. Um, you obviously get supply potentially from Russia, whether it's energy or raw material. You have customers in Russia. Have you, have you successfully cut Russia out of both your supply chain and indeed as a customer? I mean, first of all, uh, the Russian business is, is a very, very small part of our, our business. Yeah, we talk about less than a percentage point of revenue, for example, yeah, in, in a year. Uh, we don't have uh, any major supply out of Russia. Uh, obviously, uh, our value-add structure is, is, is also a bit dependent on, on, on natural uh, gas, for example, but, but not to, to a full extent or a, a large extent. We are not an energy-intensive business uh, at all. Now, therefore, I think the, the direct impact on our business from the war in the Ukraine is, is limited. Yeah? Uh, what it will do to, I would say, to, to drive the geopolitical situation and, and change it going forward and what the implication of this will be, we will see this yeah, in the future. But short-term, not a major impact. Uh, Jochen, uh, one of the big challenges, I think, for businesses like yours over the last two years was just the cancellation of operations and the fact that we saw many hospitals diverting resources away from what would have been uh, traditional operations and traditional procedures into coping with the COVID situation. That meant that orders were backlogged and ultimately we saw a lot of companies miss on quarters because they just weren't supplying into the healthcare systems of Western countries. What is the situation like right now? Are we back to 80% normal, 90% normal, or is it not as good as that? I think we are almost everywhere fully back to pre-COVID levels. Yeah? Uh, our customers really uh, adapted their processes towards the new situation rather quickly. The only exception for this is currently, or the risk of that is not going to stay like this, is China due to the lockdown regime they put in place. Yeah? Because if, they, if, if you are a patient and you cannot go to the hospital because everything is locked down, yeah, then obviously procedures will be affected immediately. And this will also affect in particular those businesses who are directly exposed to procedures. This is only a minor portion of our business in the diagnostic. Yeah, but uh, it, it will affect uh, the other players more directly. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.